0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, thank you. Good morning. Good to see everybody. Glad you made it out. I believe God will touch your heart today and just allow the Holy Spirit to convict you this morning. That's a good thing. And we get to a place in our lives where we can all repent. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up real, real high. I, I really encourage you to get into the Word of God and Ask God to give you an appetite for it. So if you need a Bible, get your hand up. Once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of Luke 17. It's where we ended last week. And so let me review as you're turning to Luke 17, just some of the stuff we talked about. The main thing last week was the Lord Jesus, he warned us over and over again, don't be deceived. Many are going to be deceived. Many are going to be misled. And so one of the ways I keep from being deceived and misled is I live my life by the Word of God. I've got to find out what the Bible says to me specifically. And, you know, I can tell you this, that after I got born again, one of the greatest things that happened to me is I plugged into a church, not just any church. You know, some people say, well, all churches are alike. Well, all are, are all restaurants alike? No, they're not. And so I'm not downplaying or downgrading other churches. I will tell you, you need to get plugged in where they're going to preach the Word and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, okay? And so those are the areas that the Lord will help you. And as we get ready to roll, I'd love to give you some stats on some things. And so, in the early 1900s of America, America was a very spiritual society. They loved the things of God. But things begin to take a twist in around 1919. From 1919 to 1929, it was called the Roaring Twenties. Two of the things that attributed to the Roaring Twenties, which was marked by drunkenness and sex... Literally, number one was the radio. It was the first time in society that people as a group could all be talked to in one setting. And so people would get on their porches in the evening and listen to the radio. Now, think about how we've, I don't know if I want to say progress but how we've moved forward in a society. The TV reaches a whole nation very easily now. But even the internet, it reaches a world right now. And so when you can reach a world, you can influence it for good or bad. So the first thing that caused the downfall was the radio. The second thing was it was the first time in the automobile industry that there were hardtops. They were no longer just convertibles. Now, you know what the marking of that was? It was a newfound way to have sex in the backseat of your car. Truly, I thought you guys would enjoy that, but I guess not. And so I'm just telling you facts here. This is what uh, attributed all that to. And you you begin to see what happens in the Roaring Twenties. And then in 1929 was the start of the Great Depression. So throughout uh, the history of America, you'll see years of real godliness. And then it's like we drop off. And so I believe that's very similar to the times we live in right now. Now, we begin in Luke 17... Verse 26. Luke 17, verse 26. And it begins with this and it says, And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also, or so it will be also like in the days of the Son of Man. So, as similar as it was in in Noah's days, it's going to be very similar to our days. So, how was it in his days? They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now, the stuff that was mentioned there, it wasn't sinful things, okay? None of that was sinful. Verse 28, likewise, as was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, and they built. Again, none of this was inherently sinful. None of it was. But it was marked by a thing called the world. Now, when we talk about the world, it's not just this fear of earth we live in, but it's the, the ruling powers of the devil. Now how do we know that? I, I want you to keep your place there in Luke, but go with me to the back of the Bible to First John chapter two. First John chapter two. And what will happen here will allow the Bible to describe what the world really is, OK? This world that we live in. First John 2, begin with me in verse 15. And it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now it's interesting, he said, Don't love the goods, the things of the world. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And it is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And so when he defines the world here again, he said all that is in the world is the lust of our flesh, where I start being dominated by the very desires of my flesh. Again, those things don't necessarily have to be sinful It's just things that distract me from the things of God. And then he said next, the lust of my eyes. Anything that my eyes begin to lock in on and they begin to dominate me. That's why pornography in our society is so powerful. And then the last one is the pride of life. Now what's interesting about this passage is every one of those ingredients we just read were found in the book of Genesis 3 verse 6 with Eve in the beginning. This was one of the things that got her. She was deceived also. So we go to the last one, this thing called the pride of life. The the pride of life. And it's anything that causes pride to rise up within me. Could be achievement. Could be wealth. Could be prominence. Just all these things in my life that can get me where... I begin to look and think, you know what, I'm I'm better than this person. I'm better than that person. I've had incredible success. I've had incredible prominence. And I'm not saying here that God wants us to be failures. That's not what I'm saying at all. But even in the area of pride, I I can get over prideful as as a Christian. I can have the thought, I know more than you. I pray more than you. When I lay hands on the sick, stuff happens. I sing better than you, which I don't, but I can say that. So again, we begin to see all these attributes. And so when pride begins to rise up, the issue that pride causes is this this one question Who gets the glory? Who gets the glory in my life? It'll either be one thing or another. It'll be the pride of life or God gets the glory. And so again, God's not against me having wealth. God's not against me having power and fame. But it all goes back, do I give God the glory in my life? And so you begin to see right here that, that there needs to be some things established in every one of our lives. And so let me ask you this right now as we're going. Are you dominated by a lust of your flesh? Are you dominated by a lust that's in your eyes that dominates you? Are you dominated by pride? See, every one of us have to battle this because he said, all that is in the world is these things. Now, turn a couple pages to your right there to 1 John 5. And verse 19. And, and watch what he says here about the world. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. We know that we are of God and the whole world, not part of it, but the whole world lies under the sway, the power, the control, the influence or the grip of the wicked one. So when he tells us this here, Satan exercises dominion over the world as its ruler. And and this world is out of line with God's purposes and it's out of line with this world. And so understand that the world is under an ordered system where the devil is the ruler of it. Now the only way I get away from the, the grip, the sway that the world has on every one of us is I've got to give my heart to Jesus and then I've got to live for him. If I don't give my heart to Jesus and I don't live for Him, then you're under the sway of the world. You're under the sway of the, 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 the uh, satanic one, the devil himself. You're under his influence, whether you like it or not. So the only way I get the grip of the devil off me is to be born again and, and live for him. So that answers questions in our world. Why are crazy things happening? Why are there mass murders taking place that you look and say, that's bizarre. What would possess anyone to do that? There's the answer right there. The whole world lays into the sway of the evil one. And so we begin to see this here. What begins to take place in our society. Now, turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, you're on your way back to Luke. Luke. Stop there in Romans 14, and let me highlight something without turning back there. As it was in the days of Noah, the first thing it said, they ate and they drank. As it was in the days of Lot, the first thing it said was they ate and they drank, okay? Is there anything wrong with eating and drinking? I don't believe so. We got to eat and we got to drink to make it in this world. That's how our bodies function. But what he's talking about here is when eating and drinking becomes our main topic of conversation. When that's all we talk about. Now, think about this right here in our city we live in right now. Just think about this. Did you guys hear we're getting a new In-N-Out burger? Did you guys hear we're getting a new Panera bread? Have you had that caramel macchiata with a twist of A shot of this or that in it. Have you gone to Sonic and got a vanilla dot to pepper with a twist of peach and a pineapple on top? And so we start all these things where we're literally consumed with the things we eat and we drink. Is there anything wrong with that? Well, watch what is warned here to us in Scripture, Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking but its righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit so you know what he tells me right here i'm going to be either dominated by the lust of my flesh in eating and drinking or i can live by the fruit of the spirit which is found in galatians 522 and 523 but really what i think the lord wants us to understand he's not against me and you eating and drinking He put all that stuff for us here. We're to enjoy it. But what happens is anytime we get out of balance, where I become dominated by the things of my flesh, and I forget God. I take God out of the equation. And I believe this is what's happening. So go back with me to Luke 17. Luke 17. And let's fill in the blanks here just a little more with what the Lord Jesus said here in Luke Luke 17, and I'll begin once I get there back in verse 28. And so when it came to Lot, it said they ate and they drank. They bought and they sold. They bought silver. They bought gold. They bought oil. They played the stock market. They planted. The farmers were in the field planting. They built. They built homes, they built buildings, they built businesses, they built, they built, they built. And again, none of this is inherently sinful. But what I have to ask myself is this question right here. Does any of this, does this captivate me? Does this drive me? Does this press relentless upon me? Does this literally consume me where all I think about is eating and drinking and buying and selling? Planning been being built. And so this is what he's telling us that in Lot's days, this is what became the topic of their life. And it's no different in America right now. This is how we live. So just for a second, I want you to fill in a blank in your life. What dominates me in my life above God? I go to the lake. Is there anything going to the, wrong with going up? No, except when it starts dominating me. I allow Little League Baseball to dominate our life. Dang, Pastor, that hurt. I allow going on this trip or that trip. I don't ever come to church. And you say, what a, what's a big deal about that? Well, the Lord said, don't forsake the assembling together. And then something as little as this that I allow my physical workouts to dominate me above the Word of God. What do you mean? I don't know about you. I like to work out. I don't know if you can tell it or not. But I like to work out. I like to run and I I like to lift. And there was one day I was doing it and the Lord spoke to my heart right there. And you know what he said? He said, I'm not against you doing this. I just want equal time. And so I make appointments to work out. Some of you are incredible about working out your physical body, but you never do anything for your spirit man. I never do anything for God. I take him completely out of the equation. And Jesus himself said in, in Matthew 4, 4, Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so I'm not telling you don't exercise. I'm not telling you don't buy and sell. I'm not telling you God doesn't want us to have fun in life. But where's the balance? When I give God my leftovers. You know, God, if i got an extra five minutes, I'll come. You know what? If if I don't have anything planned, then maybe I'll just go to church. See, do you see how things are, are coming into our society that try to gobble up the things of God? Verse 29. But on that day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. It's going to look very similar to this. In that day, he was on the housetop, and his goods, and his goods, his worldly achievements are in the house. Let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who's afield, let him not turn back. You know, the day that trumpet sounds... The only thing's going to matter if you're in or you're out. None of my earthly achievements are going to matter. He goes on to say, Remember Lot's wife. And the, where, the reason he says remember Lot's wife, it was, a, it was a warning to being attached or tied to worldly possessions. That's what got her. She was warned not to look back, but the world had such a grip on her that she looked back. She couldn't let go of those things. Now, to understand this a little bit more, let's go into the Old Testament, into Genesis chapter 6. And as you're going to Genesis 6, this is the passage about Noah's time. This was what was going on in Noah's time. And so I'll hit a little bit in Genesis 6, and then we'll go to Genesis 19 to get an idea of what was going on. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thought of his heart was evil continually. And the Lord was sad that he made man on the earth and he was grieved or he was broke in his heart. The reason is man didn't get a hold of God's aspirations. Understand that that God wasn't sorry that he created mankind. God was sorry that mankind treat, uh, cre- uh, took the world or chose the world over the things of God. Verse 7. So the Lord said, I will destroy man from whom I'm created from the face of the earth. Both man and beast, creeping thing, birds Therefore, I am sorry that I've made them. But Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. You know why Noah found grace and favor? Because he, tr- he chose to be godly in an ungodly world. He said, I would rather be more popular in heaven than popular on earth. Verse 9. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. He was perfect. And that word perfect doesn't mean he never made a mistake. He was blameless and he lived with integrity. When you look at the word blameless, blameless has to mean that when I make a mistake, I, I sin in my life, I go to the Lord and I repent. And so he was blameless or perfect in the generation. Noah walked with God. Noah feared God. Now I want you to think about this. Because the whole earth was corrupt. It was bad. But yet this man named Noah said, You know what? I'm going to live by the things of God. I'm going to live by the word of God. And God's guidelines, God's laws are always up here, His commands. God never intended for government to make our moral laws, okay? Never. And so we have a society that says, well, our government did this, or our legislators did, the Supreme Court did this. That doesn't matter to me. What is the Word of God? says the greatest thing a parent can teach his children right now is the Ten Commandments. They're obsolete, Pastor. No, they're not. What happens with people is when we don't live by the moral guidelines that God sets up, a people becomes where we decay and we begin to deteriorate. That's happened in America. You know, after after studying all this and reading on this, and I want to put the Ten Commandments up all over this building. I want your children to see the Ten Commandments. I want your children. I want your teenagers. I want me and you to know this is what God said. It's not outdated, okay? The Word of God's not outdated. Keep reading. So Noah begot three sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth, Harry, Moe and Larry. The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Understand this today. God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to go to hell, okay? They choose to go to hell. God knows every one of us in this room are sinners. We've all sinned, every one of us. The wages of sin is death. But again, something happens to me when I realize I'm a sinner, I need a Savior, and when I come to the Lord Jesus and I repent of my sins, He'll forgive me. And so in this setting, again, they would never repent. So what happens with sin, the progression of sin? It always starts in our private life. When we start operating in sin, we don't want anybody to know. Why? It's a shame. But before long, when we keep doing it and we keep doing it, We become adjusted to sin, and then it becomes the normal, and then we say, you know what? What's the matter with a little sin? Everybody else is doing it. But literally what happens here, the people of Noah's days, they lost or extinguished their right to exist because they wouldn't live by the commands of God. It's going to be the same thing with us. So here's what God does. He tells Noah, he said, listen, I want you to create an ark. But God, there's no lakes around. I don't care. Create an ark. Do it. The reason I'm going to destroy this. So when Noah begins to build the ark, it's going to take 120 years. 120 years is representation of a lifetime. So every day that Noah's building the ark, it's literally showing me he's living for God. He's doing what God wanted him to do. And people mocked him. And they said, God ain't coming back. He's not going to destroy us. Same chapter, verse 22. Now watch this. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. Noah did according to all God commanded him. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, obey me. So the way I show God I love him is in the way I obey him. So right here, even though he's getting mocked by people, he's like, I'm going to live for God. And that's how many of you are today. Whether you're young, old, your students... You're going to get around people that are going to say, Do you really believe that? I do believe it. I believe it with all my heart. You know why I believe it with all my heart? Because I lived on the other side of the fence. I was an incredible sinner. I wasn't just an average sinner, I was a really good sinner. I sinned well, and I'm not proud of it. But I began to look at my life at the age of about 20, and I realized. There's got to be more to this life than I'm experiencing. I was tired of being a drunk, a druggie. I was tired of all the things of the world dominating me. Thank God I had a mama who learned how to pray. And she kept praying for me. I remember receiving Jesus as Lord of my life and watching a, a man who died for me. It moved me that someone would die for me. He would go to hell for me. He'd take my place for me. And before long, not only did he save me and forgave me, he set me free. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> my life story, when I look at what God has done for me. And so it's real. All of this is real to me. So he obeyed. Then I noticed every time before God would destroy mankind, he would tell his righteous. So in Genesis 18 and 19, he says, I'm going to destroy the region of Sodom and Gomorrah. But before I do it, I'm going to tell the man of God, I'm going to tell my friend Abraham, Abe, I'm fixing to destroy it. So he tells Abraham that and Abraham says to him, he said, God, would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Would you do that? And, and Abraham said, if there was 50, would you destroy it? 45, 40, 35, 30, 25, 20, all the way down to 10. And God said, I won't destroy it if there's ten. So we go to chapter 19. Pick up with me in verse 12. Now we're in the time of Lot and said, Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, whomever you have in the city. Take them out of this place. For we will destroy this place. Why? Because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy them. Now you know what's unbelievable about this passage? It becomes obvious that God can't find ten in Sodom Gomorrah. There's not ten righteous there. Verse 14. So Lot went out and spoke to his son in law, who had married his daughters, and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But they said to her son in law said to him, You're joking. You're joking. You're just kidding. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here. lest least you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, and the word lingered there, that Lot became like the most, most of them on the human race. He was so tied to his possessions. He, he, he grabbed a hold of it like, I, I don't know that I can leave all this that I've Of accumulated here on earth. And he said he lingered, and the men took his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. Now, same chapter. Turn with me to verse 21, just for time's sake. So the angel leads him outside the city. And he says here, verse 21 See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, and that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape therefore. Now listen, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. The Lord said through this angel to Lot, I can't do anything until you arrive there. This is good news for me and you. You know what he's telling Lot? I can't destroy this place until you're out of here. You know what that means for me and you? We're going to be out of here before it gets really bad. I'm not going to say it's going to be real easy. There's going to be things that are, are happening right now that we begin to see that are escalating. But before it gets real bad, I mean, I'm going to do a Peter Pan. I'm going to be out of here. A twinkle of eye. Just like the video show. And in the book of Luke, it said there'll be two people in a bed. One will be taken, one will be left. There'll be two women that'll be working in the field. One taken, one left. There'll be two men working. One will be taken, one left. But see, I play a part in that. Now, in the book of Ephesians, verse four, chapter 4, verse 15, it says, we're to tell the truth in love. There's nothing wrong with people telling the truth to you as long as it's done in a motive of love. What would the motive of love be? I want what's best for you. So let me ask you some questions there right now. Are there areas in your life that you willfully practice sin? Are there areas in your life right now that you compromise the things of God? Are there people in your lives that you call friends that all they do is lead you to sin? See, what happens with most of this, we're either influencing or we're being influenced. And so just think about some of those questions I just asked you right there. Now, go with me to, to the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're almost done, got about another hour. He's kidding, isn't he? <laughs> yes, he's kidding. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm trying to slow down. I, I downloaded so much information last week that some of you had to listen to the podcast. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. The coming of the lawlessness one. or The lawless one. That's the Antichrist, okay? He will be a human being that will do the work of the devil. The coming of the lawlessness is according to the working or the activity of Satan. With all power, signs, and lying wonders, he'll be counterfeit. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Now, get a hold of that right there, okay? With all unrighteous deception. He didn't say with righteous deception. He said with unrighteous deception to all those who perish. So the devil would begin to whisper stuff with us and say, it's okay to sin. What's the matter with a little sin ever, ever now and then? It's okay for you to do this. It's okay. You know what? Everybody's going to heaven. No worries. Again, it will be an unrighteous deception to those who perish. Why? Now watch the because factor here. Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved were to preach the truth in love. They didn't receive the love of the truth. And so understand, guys, even in my own life, I play by the same rules that every one of us do in here. And there's times that the Word of God really, really corrects me. There's times I have to back up and say, do I heed what the Word of God said? Or do I live with this unrighteous deception that I can live however I want? You know what? I live under grace. And with grace, I can live however I want. Not what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 6. He said, shall we continually sin? Certainly not. Keep reading. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, and they should believe the lie that they may be condemned or judged, who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So what is going to come down to for every one of us in this room? I'm going to have the opportunity to not only believe the truth and live by the truth, or I'm going to go ahead and live by the pleasures, the desires that I want to do. Becomes a choice. I ask you today, please choose the Word of God. Please choose to say, I'm going to live by the word of God. One passage I got to get to. Go to Luke chapter 21 and we'll end with this. Luke chapter number 21. Ooh, a choice. A choice, a choice, a choice. Luke 21, verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars. Are we seeing those things right now? Absolutely. If You remember last fall in September, we saw those blood moons that begin to take place. On a daily basis, there's things happening in the cosmic. He goes on to say, And on the earth, there will be distress of nations with perplexity. I don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. We don't have any money. Our currency's no good. We're seeing this take place right now. The sea and the waves will roar. Hurricanes, typhoons, tsunamis, unlike anything many of us have ever seen. Men's hearts failing them from fear. They're terrified and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and grace and glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. So I go back and all the things that we mentioned, they're happening. They're happening in rates that we've never seen. Verse 29. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all trees. When they're already budding, you see and know for yourself that summer is now near. So what he's saying here, that when the trees begin to blossom and bloom, we don't give it an exact date. We don't say, well... On September 21st, this is when it's going to happen. No, when the trees begin to blossom and bloom, every one of us in here, we know. Man, spring is here. Summer's just around the corner. But do I know an exact date? No, I don't know an exact date, but I know the season. This is what he's talking about. He goes on to say, So you also, when you see these things happening, know the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you that this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. The word of God will remain. Verse 34. But take heed to yourselves. To yourselves, to you. Lest your heart be weighed down. Lest your heart be weighed down. Let me give you a verse for that. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Let your heart not be weighed down with the things of this world or sin. And so again, he said, take heed to yourself that you're not weighed down with just the things of this world. Now watch what he goes on to say. With carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. You know what the message says? Parties, drinking, and shopping. I told Shelly in the first service, see, I've told you, I've always been biblical about you going to the mall. I've always been biblical. Parties, drinking, and shopping. Where they begin to just weigh me down. To the point, that's all I live for. Take heed to yourselves. Now watch this. For it, that day will come as a snare, as a trap on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I don't want any of you to ever look at me and say, "Why?" Why didn't you tell us the truth? You knew and you didn't tell us the truth. probably believe the greatest thing in my life right now is to hear the Lord say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear the Lord look at me and say, depart from me, you wicked servant. I don't want to hear that. Actually, it terrifies me. What begins to happen here is we have this dominant attitude called procrastination. Ah, eh, he's gonna come sometime. But when I look at all the signs that he talks about, and again, I'm not trying to figure out a date, I'm just trying to warn you I gotta live for him every day. He says that in Matthew 9 daily. Pick up or take up your cross and follow me. So it's a progressive and continuous following him. The things of God aren't just a Sunday morning thing. It's an everyday of my life. And then people have this legal relationship with God. And they'll tell me about it and they'll say, you don't understand. I gave my heart to Jesus. I walked the aisle one day and said, Jesus, come into my heart and be Lord. And now I have fire insurance and I'm done. I can live however I want. And the church has messed people up with that teaching. Because if that was the case, why in the parable in Matthew 25 with the ten virgins, that five made it and five didn't. And when the Lord shut that door himself, those five foolish came and knocked on the door and they said, Lord, Lord. And Jesus said, I never knew you. I never knew. I don't know who you are. So again... I got to heed the the warnings of the things of the Bible and understand I got to live by His Word. And as annoyingly accurate as it is, sometimes I think, okay, I just surrender to a Father God. I'm just going to live by your Word. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit FaithChurchLubbock.com.